Hello again, my friends, and welcome to Jorgensen Soundbox. The previous conversation I had with Jason Hitchcock in September on this podcast is still the single most streamed interview I've ever done. And I was very excited to have him back for an update on his portfolio and to teach us all the new crypto things he's learned. And when we started planning this conversation, it turned out to be perfect timing to bring in his investing partners in the fund that you're going to learn about today. Um, he started sort of hanging out with them in a group chat, and now they're opening a $100 million fund to invest in the DeFi space. So today we have, of course, the Jedi of DeFi, Jason Hitchcock. We also have Boz, the CEO or COO, I'm sorry, of Akash Network, and their partner, Adam, who's a crypto trader who writes at Ethropy.com finance. These are three of the four partners of Four Moons Capital. And we get into it today talking about how they found success in crypto, all starting from a group chat that they were all just really honest and candid in. Then they started a $2.5 million fund to test the market for their friends and family. And now they're getting called up to the majors and managing a $100 million fund uh, with an RIA partner that we talk a ton about today. We also get into their favorite tokens, their favorite projects and ecosystems. We just bullshit about crypto and all the new stuff that's going on. And we emphasize over and over again to each other and to you how early it still is. Um, side note, I'm, I'm creating sponsorship spots for my podcast and the newsletter. If you want to sponsor this podcast, please DM or email me and I'll share the details with you there. I promise to write and read hilarious ads for you. Now, please enjoy this conversation arriving at your ears in three, two, one. The Grand Wizard, Jason Hitchcock, um, the most popular podcast episode I've ever done is back with his friends, um, the other the other moon men of the to the moon fund, which had to be renamed the four moons fund because they could not imply that they were going to go to the moon or be able to take you there. Um, but I'm glad to have the whole crew here and uh, excited to have like a party of a podcast with with Jason and uh, Adam and Boz. Well, thanks for having us back. I'm glad that Boz and Adam could come with me. Uh, we that, that was a really fun conversation we had last time and a lot's happened since then. And I'm really excited for you and uh, all your listeners to meet Boz and Adam. They're they're my business partners, and uh, they're part of the reason why I learned a lot that I had to talk about with you on that episode. And we're doing some cool stuff now. I know we we barely fit like me and Jason into a a two person conversation. So I'm gonna be excited to see how four people goes, who are all equally enthusiastic about all of the crypto things. Super excited to be here. That's uh, that's Boz, and we and we got Adam too. Uh, let's do let's do little like uh, intros for for everybody. You want to go? Uh, you want to go first, Adam? Alphabetically, yeah. The, CI, the CIO of To the Moon, No Wait, Four Moons Capital. You know, like, we don't really have titles because we all have to pull so much weight in a new partnership. Um, but yeah, I'm Adam Atkins. Um, met Boz personally. I want to say about a decade ago, completely unrelated to our current venture. But, you know, thankfully, Facebook connects the world for forever. Uh, thankfully, or, or, you know, not thankfully, but uh, <laughs> we, we have friendships that follow us around um, through Facebook. And, you know, I'm one of the, the guys that found crypto on my own. Um, it's rare to find people like that. But, you know, I got in 
about 2016, just kind of Googling investment ideas. And Bitcoin came up in the headlines um, because the Indian rupee was, you know, being devalued or there was some kind of an inflation uh, issue. And I was like, wait, this science experiment is still around? Like, I thought it was like a flash in the pan and was going to go away forever. Um, and that's when I fell down the rabbit hole. So, uh, yeah, Boz and I connected in like 2019 when we were talking about taxes for crypto and <laughs> um, we <laughs> kept chatting since then. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Nice. Uh, Boz, what's your, what's your story? How'd you end up with these clowns? <laughs> At a circus, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, long, I guess as you know, we met Adam, like you mentioned a decade ago, uh, kind of kept in touch here and there. And then when I moved to San Francisco, one of my really good friends actually introduced me to Jason and the time he was at Twitch. Um, and I was at a, uh, uh, blockchain gaming, like rewards, uh, company, um, and just really interested in, in gaming overall and how Twitch sees things. And he was just full of energy, a really smart guy. We just, uh, you know, stayed in touch, um, and continued learning about each other and developed this amazing relationship. How we all got together is, uh, we, I knew Adam was, was definitely into Ethereum uh, from our, our Facebook posts and how Facebook at the time continued just plugging away at uh, life updates. Yeah, his, his face tattoo is <laughs> a dead giveaway. <laughs> it's just this met on his forehead. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was really interesting is when DeFi Summer um, started, the you know we were both pursuing a completely different path within DeFi, but it was complementary of each other. Um, and this is when, you know, uh, compound just, uh, allowed us to collateralize ETH and, and unlock die onto the world, which released the flood of innovation. So, and helium routers for, or for sale. So, uh, and so we were, we were iterating on a bunch of different things at the same time, uh, the vampire attack on sushi, or I mean, on Uniswap came to be. So, uh, I was definitely all about sushi swap and was in the discord when sbf was in there just trying to make calm and everything um and uh adam and i just kept like really really close and 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 we're just sharing a bunch of ideas over the summer and then i I started seeing tremendous amount of success i mean at the time sushi was yielding you know two three thousand percent apr all the way up to whatever uh it was kind of surreal at the time and what I decided to do at, at, at that particular time was I wanted to see if I could replicate these same strategies with, uh, with, with one of my close friends, which is our fourth partner, Ash. And he started seeing success. And at the same time, you know, we're having these conversations with Adam, with Jason in these private group chats of, about how to build wealth and think about like strategically how, you know, we're, we're all invested in each other's success and just sharing ideas to compound the or accelerate uh our our approach to achieving that success so achieved that success with ash then brought in jason we 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 succeeded with jason as well and then adam comes in and says okay here's how you collateralize ETH." right and so we are using bzx we launched you know 
uh, a considerable amount of collateralized ETH onto Harvest Finance at the time, saw a tremendous amount of success. And then we got into a shared group and we're just constantly sharing ideas. We couldn't stop thinking from morning until whenever Jason goes to bed. <laughs> never, <laughs> he never sleeps. He never sleeps. And so it, at the same time, uh, I'm, I'm currently the CEO of a cloud infrastructure company. And there was a seed sale investor, part of the company, that was a chief investment officer of Kingsley, which is a digital asset fund that we are um, now sub-advising for the DeFi fund. Yeah, we got we got to come back to Kingsley because that's a whole like that's interesting. A whole that's you're on you're on chapter nine, Boz. You gotta we we gotta like catch up with uh, Jason here. So okay, I'll stop there. Can I just the, the, from my perspective, it's real simple. Uh, we were all we created a group chat. The whole point of the group chat was make more money. We're all entrepreneurs who have made money for companies, and so we all get pulled into one group chat as we understand we all like crypto and DeFi. We start basically building what I like to refer to as the hot ball of money that you constantly roll around DeFi. And it goes from one high yield opportunity to another. And we're together taking screenshots of Uniswap and LP positions we're creating. And we're like, I put in X, I'm earning Y every day. Look at what I earned today. And it just makes it more real to everybody that these are real moves that you should consider. We started copying each other's homework. Boz would you know, he's in the Cosmos ecosystem, so we would just learn so much about it from his perspective. We developed biases towards Luna and Rune and other interoperability plays that ended up being strong themes that emerged that year. And we all made really strong investments. Next thing you know, we're screaming about this to everybody. And a lot of our friends asked us to do a fund. And that's how we did our first fund. Um, and we just took our same strategy that we did and applied it to that fund. Um, and, you know, Boz just mentioned Kingsley. And so we can talk about that in a bit. Yeah, well, that first fund uh, killed it. Um, you guys returned two and a half X in five months, six months. Yeah, we deployed it in the middle of summer. Um, it was a liquid token fund. So, you yeah. know, a lot of, you know, it wasn't a VC fund, wasn't an, we weren't angel investing. We were just doing what everybody does, where they learn about tokens on Twitter and they go look on CoinGecko and you go check out the Discord and is, is this a product that people like? You do the kind of gut feeling testing of a product, like is the revenue looking good? What open data is there? And then you know, we would invest in it and we built out a portfolio of exciting tokens uh, that, that, that just, and we earned a lot of yield off them. That's kind of like Adam was, was uh, the keeper of our yield strategy. And we, we earned a tremendous amount of yields and we're really proud of that. And we feel like that became, we proved that that could be like a, a financial product that we could continue doing. Yeah, I mean that all that in addition to like growing your own hot balls of money, um, which individually I believe, right? I mean, I know Jason's doing that. I assume you guys have your own your own side balls as well. So yeah, Boz has a job, so I don't know Boz how much of that he yeah. actually has the other to guy. do. But <laughs> we, you know, we're we're fun employed. Um, I was I was you know splitting my time between the fund and my own personal finances. So I didn't always duplicate my efforts because, you know, we had to be a lot more um, pragmatic about our investment opportunities for the fund. Uh, however, I, you know, Boz is an ape in, in his background there. He, we did a lot more aping in with our own personal money than we would have, you know, the investors. Um, we're a little bit further out on the, on the risk curve when it comes to, to DeFi. Um, we all have our own, our own approach, which is kind of cool because we can contrast and compare and improve each other's styles that way. Um, so yeah, like 
this is just a great team. The, the fund um, was a lot of fun. There were certainly some stressful periods. Um, <laughs> I wrote a blog post about all the things I learned and the things that kept me up at night. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's been like the most amazing career shift and like budding friendship that uh, I can remember. What was the moment that was really stressful? I'm trying to remember what was like peak stress of the fund. I think well, what I said in that article was taking profits. <laughs> How many times did we talk about that in like our weekly portfolio review calls? It was like, hey guys, like this is up, you know, six x. I think we should take some off the table here. Um, we could always buy back in lower, and it was constantly just biting heads. Like, no, we should we should let it run. The RLPs just want exposure, like tax implications. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, we would always argue against it because uh, I would say we're not a trading firm. We don't know how to trade. I would say. Even though we- I'm a f- perfectionist, I, you know, I, I want to always do the the best I can. And I'm, I'm very competitive with myself. And I, you know, when I, uh, when I see, uh, finishing at the, the one inch yard, one inch line and not scoring a touchdown, like, or maybe scoring, you know, a touchdown and missing the extra point. That's kind of how it always felt. So, but it, it worked out great. It did. And you all made it and you all still want to work together again after the first one. So it can't have been that bad. Well, the first fund was really just a vehicle. This is Jason talking. Um, yeah. We we didn't know what we wanted to do. We just we were achieving we were achieving personal success with these strategies that Boz is describing. Borrow against your ETH, then do what with what the stuff you borrow. That's yeah. where like a lot of experimentation came in. And once we kind of had this interesting strategy, we sort of got that a little quicker than we knew what vehicle we should put it into. And so we created that initial one year fund, which had this nice sort of escape hatch at the end of it could go to shit and we could still like hey it was one year we, we tried our best thanks for supporting us um and then it, it also let's say we knew what we were doing and we were onto something um we weren't over committed to a structure we could then create something fresh and we were like oh here's how you t- seize the moment like for example we knew that we wanted to create a fund that could that could go in early if we wanted. We could buy equity. Theoretically, this hedge fund that we work with, we could. Um, we're probably not going to, but we have the option. We also know that like Four Moons wants to create a staking service at some point. We we, we want to give ourselves some sort of flexibility to, to do more than just buy equity or just buy tokens. We want to do a variety of money-making strategies, which could even mean we want to make some software that maybe people use and we earn transactions on. Who knows? Um, and so this particular structure uh, is, a, is is a per- is perfect for that. It was essentially to validate our market thesis behind the service that we'd be providing. And keep in mind, this is in context of DeFi. You know, people think DeFi has been around quite a while, but it's that's just because people are in crypto. <laughs> so a month and you know, crypto speed, crypt, you know, is, is one year in crypto is like fifteen years in a traditional company. Uh, <laughs> But essentially, the SBV, the Special Purpose Vehicle Fund, was designed to just test our market thesis behind our strategies, if we can actually scale it significantly. And we did. Um, well, you that first fund got bought, right? Is that the right verb for what happened? Like, how, how did why did that fund end, or how did it end? I suppose. Yeah, so I wouldn't use the term like bot. Um, so at the same at the same time, we're having uh, quite a bit of conversations with the Kingsley team. And the interesting opportunity is that as a special purpose vehicle funds, you're limited on what you can and cannot do. 
uh, w- with how much you can actually fundraise. I mean, even sol- sol- solicitation uh, could be really interesting and semi-grave just because, A, DeFi is still largely unregulated. And even the regulations around managing other people's money is, is very limiting depending on what your license has. Hence, the special purpose vehicle funds allowed us the flexibility to tap into our existing network of really close friends and family. And we limited that um, explicitly. When Kingsley approached us, not only did they have the infrastructure, the licensing, the know-how, the experience of managing digital asset funds, uh, but the culture and the values of each individual partners actually really aligned well with what our goals and vision were to generate and build a $100 million DeFi fund, which in, in my mind is a starting point. So uh, what, what is, give us the background of what is Kingsley? Kingsley is a registered investment advisor. You can think of them that way. Um, and they uh, have a digital asset fund as well. But they approached us with an idea of us essentially becoming sub-advisors to their DeFi fund product and allowing us to replicate, take essentially the strategies that we've succeeded and validated with success in our SBV, but do it at scale. Because what, given with their infrastructure and their licensing and a variety of other things, it allows us to do more, pursue more opportunities, and not really worry about the back-end operations that we have to shoulder ourselves. So it allows us to move faster, allows us to um, scan for better opportunities, do more due diligence, and really focus what we're good at, which is uh, generating returns. <laughs> and also, this, this is Jason. One of the things that we also talked about with them, they did extensive surveying of, their, of like RIA networks, and they found, and and who like who are the people that they serve? Uh, they serve high net worth individuals that are working with boutique financial advisors. These are not. You know, they have an option of getting an account on Fidelity or Schwab and having someone go put their money into Vanguard. That's what 60% of people in this category do, 40%. They go to a boutique RIA who can invest in clean energy or something interesting. And so what a lot of people are looking for, they want exposure to crypto. And they also want more than just, I want to buy Bitcoin. And what they don't have access to right now, if you are a high net worth individual working with an RIA, they don't have something on their menu that's like, all the cool crypto assets that are like taken mm-hmm. off in DeFi um, and in uh, Web3 infrastructure. They've got, they have like access to Grayscale, which is like not even a good investment because um, of like the premium. And so like what we, rep- so we're going to represent one of the first products that they have, which is like, oh, this is going to get you an Osmosis and Luna and Convex and other interesting yield bearing strategies. This is going to have, this is a smart, de- this is basically a degen product, uh, you know, as, you know, for, for some of your long-term money, which is, that's pretty interesting. Um, so, and that lines up with the surveys of what a lot of individuals want. And so it was a good fit. Um, we have a thing that works and they have a network that's ready to buy it. That's super interesting. Yeah, go ahead, Adam. I spoke to, actually, before we launched our fund, I was looking at um, getting licensed myself. And um, I spoke to several RIAs who, you know, serve these types of clients and none of them really knew much about crypto um i would say that this is probably the first time in his in the history of the financial markets that the end customer is more educated than 
the salesperson that they're getting their information from. It's it's really interesting how organic and grassroots the crypto movement has become. I mean, one of the partners at Kingsley told us that even grandma and grandpa are asking about crypto and the RIAs that they work with have nothing to offer them. So it's it's a really fantastic um, channel for Kingsley. I expect that to require quite a bit of education on Kingsley's part to actually make sure those RIAs understand what it is that we are doing. Um, but it's an awesome opportunity. And they've they've done so much of the heavy lifting on the compliance, the regulatory, the licensing, the legal. Um, it's a it's a huge moat for them. So so real we're really excited to get going. Yeah, that, that's gotta be a bear, I I'd imagine, like so early in this, as Boz mentioned, like the regulations involved and stuff. So just getting people arranged. So where is is this like Kingsley's got a pool of money already that you guys are kind of managing like what what is the sub management relationship or is this like you're both kind of working together to raise a new pool from existing customers of kingsley we are sub advisors and what that means is we go into a document called the ppm think of this like a marketing kind of contractual document they're going to go they're going to go distribute our fund around they're going to go knock on doors and raise money um and that will all flow into like our investment strategy um <clears throat> and you know yeah and you're targeting 100 million for this this fund, right? Uh, that's where it'll that that that's how much we sort of have in like sort of soft commits, and then okay. so we're going to be onboarding that this year, and then beyond that, I mean, we're expecting we have much bigger goals. Um, we're never going to stop fundraising, and crypto is only going to get more popular. I mean, our goals are to get this into several billion under management. Yeah, I mean, your, your, your initial tweet, I think when you talked about starting this next fund was like, we're launching a $100 million fund. Our goal is a billion in AUM in less than five years. Save and degen approach, just a bigger stack in play. Yeah, and it, it's just, we think that um, what's interesting, when you talk to a lot of these people, uh, these high net worth individuals and family offices, the way that uh, a lot of people in your audience, like they have similar feelings about crypto that your audience does where bef- there, there's a moment of before and then they realize, oh, that's what these are. These are apps. And like, oh, it's DeFi. They have the same feelings about it that everybody does, um, which is why like there's such this organic feeling of everyone's turning on to crypto. It's because everybody uses apps now. And everybody of all ages, they're all getting news. on you know They're all reading about it on Twitter, too. And so there's kind of like, it doesn't matter what your demographic is. Everyone's like hearing about DeFi to some degree. And they're they're very curious. And, and keep in mind, just this is Boz. Um, you know, this space is less than two years old and has a little over $200 billion in TVL. Now, what can happen over the next five years? Like when I originally was talking with, with the guys here about can we get a billion dollars in their five years, that takes into consideration time, which a lot can happen in those five years. A, in- institutional interest is gaining steam. So I do see financial products, traditional financial products tapping into this DeFi movement. We're beginning to see even banks making announcements uh, about potentially offering DeFi products under their umbrella, for, for uh, as an example. So institutional interest across retirement accounts from everything, um, I think will tap into this DeFi movement. B, regulation. Um, and, uh, in between all that, I think a lot of family offices, a, a lot of people, uh, you know, and, and, and main streets, America will begin tapping into this movement. And I think the people who are making moves today, like, like our team, like Kingsley, several other DeFi funds in the market, 
it's a blue ocean of an opportunity. And the people that begin today will reap the benefits of tomorrow, which is mainstream adoption and mainstream demand. And right now the demand is still is extremely overwhelming, but this is extremely early still. So we can only imagine what can come tomorrow. So uh, let's talk about the the structure of the fund. I, I totally agree with that, Boz. I, I think like it's it is this, there's this weird gap between like how how many people know of of it. Like everyone has heard of Bitcoin, and so you have this feeling that it's pervasive. But it's like the share of users who actually have a wallet that they interact with. Like the adoption is still so drastically early that it's truly difficult to remember. It's even and especially maybe for those of us who like actually spend time learning about it. Um, so, but let's talk about the fund. So is this, this is going to be obviously a little different since you're working with a bigger pool of money and some kind of registered RIAs than, than the first sort of initial tester fund, right? Like what, are, what are the terms? What is the, um, does the strategy have to change? Like, I don't know. It's just so different from a, a traditional VC that I'm, I'm really curious, like how this all fits together. If I could summarize it really quickly, if the last fund was a one-year fund and it was like two and a half million dollars, we were throwing darts at things that we thought were going to pop in 2021, which is yeah. like a, a difficult game. In 2022, what this fund is, is this is not one year. This is open-ended, so forever. Um, and it's entirely liquid. So we're not going to be investing in things that get locked up. Uh, we're going to be investing in tokens that are out there that have decent market caps, you know, probably usually above like 300 million or so. And um, we're betting on a couple of themes, interoperability, alt layer ones, like we think there's going to be just more demand for apps. And so that demand is going to flow to into Cosmos and Phantom and Near and Polygon and Avalanche. And those are going to be huge. And there's going to be technologies that need them to interoperate. And so we're going to be investing in those. Um, and then we're also going to earn yield on them. Uh, every single one of these layer ones, they all have money markets. There's ways to earn more. There's, there's an optimal way to hold all these tokens. And so one of the other differences is we're going to have many more positions. Uh, we have a bigger pool of capital, so we don't need to place our bets so carefully um, onto very specific ones. We can spread them out and have more of an index that represents our point of view. And our point of view is alt layer ones and interoperability. It basically just means more demand for usage of applications on blockchains and then everything that flows from enabling that. Yeah. yeah that's like a, our point of view, ahead, our point of view is going to, going to change. Like <laughs> that's the one thing that we can tell you is, is a hundred percent going to happen because our point of view started in, you know, way over to the far, you know, miles down the road for Titan, our first fund and ended hundred miles to the other direction. So, the flexibility um, and maneuverability is probably going to continue to to exist with this next fund. We will have to be mindful of, uh, you know, since it's a larger pool of capital, we'll, we'll be learning about, uh, you know, how to deal with liquidity. You know, Jason said $300 million. That's definitely, you know, a low end. We, we If we're moving significant amount of capital, uh, fortunately, we are working with uh, Kingsley CIO, who is an experienced trader who understands, you know, time-weighted average pricing, how to get in and out of positions um, intelligently. And we're not just going to be shoving, you know, seven, eight figures into these protocols because that's, you know, that's, that's going to really have an impact on the market. Um, so having, having their CIO is, is a huge advantage for us. It's like, I say this all the time. One plus one is three. It's like our strategies. We're long only. Um, 
you know, hypothesis driven or thesis driven investors uh, that leverage assets to make them productive. Kingsley CIO is a experienced technical trader um, with, a, with a vast network um, of founders and uh, a, a really good understanding of the technologies themselves that we're investing in. Um, so when we combine our strategy that from the previous fund with their liquid you know trading strategy it's going to make the fund a, a much more effective vehicle um and I'm, I'm really excited to learn from them as far as you know what's the best way to get in and out of markets how do you uh rebalance periodically these are these are concepts that i'm I, we did not exercise in the first fund. yeah what's well, it's super i mean the, co- the combination of um uh, if you've got the flexibility that it sounds like you can and the number of just ways to win like in DeFi is crazy right like jason and i talked a little bit about this in our in our first conversation but like what does the optimal vehicle look like it's like you're holding tokens you're staking them you're running validators you're you're lping in this like there's just so many you're, you're earning airdrops like are all of these things stuff that like the fund will be pursuing that and all of the value to that comes back to investors that's awesome. I mean, the, the the layers of complexity there, the gas efficiencies of like doing that in one thing, like, um, not to mention the new innovations around what how yields are even generated. I don't know if you're familiar with the Osmosis this Dex. It's the leading Dex on Cosmos. Um, thanks to Jason, I am. <laughs> yeah, thanks to Jason. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, they're actually introducing something called liquid staking. And so today, the user, in this case, just a brief, because I think it's a really innovative thing that is worth mentioning. Yeah, <clears throat> Today, as a user, if you're on a proof of stake network, you like a, you know, like you're staking atoms or, or, or polka dot or whatever, you, you, you take your assets and you stake on a validator and you're earning yield, whatever that yield is. Or you, the, the user in this case could become a liquidity provider and basically get 50% of two assets and go into a DEX. And then earn the yields from there, from trading fees, inflation, what have you. But you're subject to a permanent loss. What they're doing is uh, like a hybrid approach, where you can become a liquid provider into a decentralized exchange, which obviously provides value for the DEX overall, more TVL stake there. But by doing so, you're automatically staked with your osmosis oh. onto and earning the yield from from just. Staking so alone. It's like you're staking NLPing at the same time. Correct. So interesting. It, it, so this is this is um, complementary to uh, another uh, way we can think about it in terms of like capital efficiency. Previously, like think of like DeFi Summer One, One Point The the real innovation was collateralizing ETH, borrowing against ETH, deploying capital, whether you're on a DEX or staking and what have you. I think today it's going to be liquid staking mechanisms where you are staking and barring against your stake, uh, whether it's on a validator, on a DEX, like a liquid staking approach, where you're still earning leads and having like a self-repaying loan, like Alchemex actually created. So all of these, like what DeFi Summer 101 is, like they created like specific recipes. DeFi Summer 2.0, I think, is going to be about combinatorial innovation where you take the best thing of one protocol and then combine it with a nice liquid staking, self-repaying loans, and a variety of other things. It's the concept of rehypothecation where it's like, it sounds scary and it's a big word, but it's just a way to be very capital efficient 
And the protocols do this for us now, which makes our lives so much easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and if I know you guys, uh, like I think I do, there will be some leverage involved as well. And like actively managing kind of borrowing against some of these, these things, re-collateralizing and re-collateralizing some of this like fractal borrowing. Um, we've seen just go to crazy, crazy places. Yeah, we'll probably yeah, borrow I mean, stable coins and put them onto convex. Uh, just that's yeah. Like I, I think we we try to you know we I mandated the first fund. You know we're never going to take more than fifty percent uh, loaned against our collateral. Getting liquidated is the last thing any of uh, our LPs would want. And <laughs> as as a no, as a number of us have already felt the pain of being liquidated. Uh, I would not advise anybody to uh, to take leverage if you're not experienced um, and watching this like a hawk on a daily basis. It's uh, it's the most volatile asset class. Like, I don't know how many times we called each other in the middle of the night. Like, hey, guys, like, you know, crypto's down 20 percent. Check your collateralization <laughs> ratio. Like woke. I woke up, you know, these guys each each and every you know, time. And, and that's that's the nice thing about having uh, three time zones covered, at least. <laughs> I have had a 5 a.m. phone call from Adam about my loan, uh, the, a loan that I had on Maker. Um, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, we, we were texting. We were texting Jason at like 2, 3 a.m. Hey, <laughs> do this, do that, pay it down immediately. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that why you guys sent Jason to Miami? <laughs> yeah, he can yeah. take care of his own ass now in Miami. <laughs> Jason, Jason was so excited to get out of San Francisco. He just left all his jeans in a pile in his apartment, moved to Miami. <laughs> he, he, he's now wearing a, fed, a fedora regularly, I, I've noticed on his Instagram. So it's good luck. Uh, okay, so let's let's do... Um, well, I, I, I want to know before... like, how, how the fuck do you guys keep up? Like, You are professionals in crypto in a way that like it just seems almost impossible to actually like know enough about all this stuff. And, and anybody that I've talked to who's not like 18 hours a day in it, and even the ones who are like struggle to keep up, H how do you filter signal from noise? How do you decide what to pay attention to? How do you like, how do you live your lives like in this somewhat overwhelming industry with any semblance that like y you're finding the right stuff? I think that the community you belong to really dictate like success here because as a single person, you, you just can't, it's impossible. Um, so there, there's, there's a few themes that like we've constructed a, we initially started out by building a community of, of a small close of friends and everybody's well aligned in terms of what they're doing. And they were focused on crypto. So a lot of people, I mean, in terms of anything on Ethereum, I know when I have a question about ETH that I don't even understand, I go to Adam. He's the ETH, he's a resident ETH expert, right? Um, and so we build it out like this tribe of DeFi people that are experimenting all the time. And we, we bring in like the qualified signaling back to us. And that allows us to just work smarter, not harder, because again, it's impossible to keep up. Something that I do <clears throat> is I use Twitter, uh, holistically i build uh i have i use lists to segment blockchains uh or DeFi based on blockchain ecosystems so i have an avalanche i have a bsc i have polka dot i have cosmos i have luna 
And anything that bubbles up as you're building the list continuously pop up. So you're actually leveraging the internet uh, for the power it was designed to be. And if those signals are strong enough, they're going to bubble up on your console. And then you take that information, you do some due diligence, and then you begin asking your community, your tri- your DeFi tribe. Um, and, you know, Adam and, and Jason took it even a step further, right? They built out their Discord communities, and they have, like, sub-tribes in there of really, really smart people. Um, so, you know, these signals is just tapping into the community for people who either either have exposure to that particular protocol, have a deeper understanding than you do. I know one of our uh, one of our, our guys in one of our communities, Bruce, he's like the resident phantom expert and BSC expert. Anything on DeFi, we just default to him. He knows. And if he doesn't know, I, we, I, we immediately like dismiss it. I think that it's useful to have a, um, like I found it, it's overwhelming. And the only thing that's helped it clarify it to me is my own selfish perspective of, I'm only interested in making more money right now. And the idea, like, if I'm interested, when something <laughs> new emerges, oh, people are talking about Dopex or they're talking about GMX. I have to ask myself, is knowing about this going to make me more money? And is there anything obvious about this in the first 10 seconds of me learning about this that's going to help me make more money? Is there a high APY for some early liquidity mining event? Is the token early and could go up? Are like... Is like, what's what's going on here? And if the answer is no to those two questions, I'm like, okay, cool thing to know about. I'm not going to know that much about it. And then I'm going to move on with my life. And I'm going to be looking for something that is better than my current portfolio. And that's it. That's the only thing that's helped me stay sane. And then I also think like coming, getting, feel, figuring out that like, that's what gets me excited initially. And then I start to notice other kind of fandoms around tokens. And I try to pay attention like, oh, there's a fandom on this token. I wonder if they're right. Or I wonder if it's like a bunch of retail people being duped into something. And there's a way to like distinguish between Cardano and Ripple people and like people that are really into Tetranodes Gauntlet. Like when you uh, as you kind of peel back the onion, Tetranodes Gauntlet, there's a lot more going on there. And the fandom makes a lot more sense or the, or the frog army around the Danny tokens. There's a lot more of a thesis to these businesses succeeding, like charismatic leaders that communicate a lot. They ship often. They take a lot of shots. Some things work, some things don't, but they're, they're doing a lot. And so like success is more likely and there's a lot of excitement around it. And so the users are down to try stuff and pump tokens. I don't know. You start to like, you start to feel that out to see what's worth paying attention to. Jason, you're, you got it as far as like that is experience of like being crypto native and knowing what's bullshit and what's real, you know, or what's psyops and what's alpha. I mean, this is something that you must learn on the job. It's a trial by fire. Nobody can teach this to you. Um, obviously, like Boz has his own methodology for filtering the wheat from the chaff, the good from the bad, the, you know, Apen versus pass. Jason's got his own due diligence framework that works for him. That's super individualistic based on the DeFi user. I live, eat, breathe Twitter and Discord. Um, I have been in this space long enough to know who the right people to follow are. I continuously update like my Etherp Alpha follow list, and the community members in Etherp have access to that and. You know, hopefully I'm helping 
them generate you know high alpha there's like a there's a theme in crypto like a an acronym w-a-g-m-i we're all going to make it what what we all try to do is help each other succeed and it can be competitive i think but it's rare it's mostly a let's all grow the pie together theme and like i've decided in 2022 to kind of make that my motto it's like i'm helping grow the pie i want everybody to feel the power and be empowered by what crypto can offer and what web3 can offer because it's like the biggest revolution i think in our lifetimes in terms of tech social uh, economic you know employment combining all those things into you know one technology is is like amazing so yeah like going back to how do i keep up you can't you you know where to go in and you know that you're going to miss some shit. Um, I totally whiffed on the, the dog token craze. Um, if you, if you hit that good for you, but I, that was a big blind spot for me. I think a good tip to, uh, how to pay attention. It feels like you should be following a cast of characters that are both in different places. Like there's people that are like the same person on Twitter might have a sub stack, might be in a discord and you might want to, you might notice them in all the places. And it feels like you're witnessing a conversation in multiple places that evolves over time. If that's like, that's what it, that's what it should feel like. And if it, if it, I would say if it doesn't feel like that, you're probably not as dialed in as you could be. Um, and like a, a one really good way to get into that mode is you find sort of quote unquote thought leaders, people that are saying a lot, it's very smart. A lot of people are like vouching for them in, in many different ways. Who are they following? Who are they liking and retweeting? And then like, that's how, those are how you find the, interesting people follow this industry through other people at first Here, here's a question for you eric i don't know how like much you're tuned into the the crypto culture i i, I know you're in yieldopolis but like do you feel like email is becoming antiquated because of the new communication mediums of like instant instant like chats save threads that you can do on like slack discord um twitter conversations i don't know like it seems to me like i spent so little time on email anymore. I I think that email, I, I have like the reverse. So I think crypto is underutilizing email currently. I think like it is true that um, a lot more happened. A lot happens in Substack. Um, like, I mean, your newsletter is a great example. Like there are really strong kind of crypto newsletters. Um, a lot of times it's just like, hey, I wrote a new blog post, which is like, fine, that's what half of email is. But I think... Uh, I think when you go only Discord and only Twitter, like both on the learner or the creator side, like that's not a great, like you are not get, reaching as many people as you could or creating as close of a connection. Um, and you still have that kind of like deplatforming or like just missed message due to algorithm risk. Um, so I think you're right, but I actually think it's a missed opportunity on the, on the like crypto creator side. Yeah, maybe it's because it's so like blockchain is very transparent and anybody can see what's going on if they know where to look a lot of the discord servers and twitter profiles that aren't you know private you can you can find these very public conversations and a lot of our alpha is generated just from knowing where to look um so maybe it's, also, maybe it's a, a web3 phenomenon it, it may also be like um interestingly like 
email was inherent in web two because everybody was creating accounts and everything in order to use anything at all. And that's not true in web three. So it may just be a distribution problem of like, they don't have the email list. Um, I know some people who are working on sort of more wallet messaging, and that might be actually an interesting, like we may see an email compliment or whatever come out that kind of serves that need between like project and wallet or project and user um that isn't email but is something sort of new new in crypto mm -hmm. that's an interesting point actually i just had a podcast with shane mack um who's building xmtp it's a super interesting one also yeah. ether ether scan just came out with ether chat today that looked really interesting i want to try that out yeah there's a few versions of it um coming out and a lot of this stuff will get more uh user-friendly i expect um yeah, it has to get to yeah. the mobile apps eventually. I mean, well, we, we we use Signal and we love Signal because um, of the privacy aspect and like you know bigger conversations. Yeah, I, I just don't. I don't think Discord and Twitter are a good enough solution, basically, to like scale and bring everybody along. Yeah, I think um, Block Explorers, especially it scans, will be the next Googles of the world. And I say this if you actually understand like the history of the internet, because if you're thinking about like 91 to 93 and all the websites and all the data that was generated in between that time, right? There was really no search engine that was even remotely usable or even existent. And then Yahoo comes in, which is indexed and made sense and organized this chaos of data and allowed people to search for information. You have all these transactions happening. ETH scan comes to the picture and organizing the transactions. The CIC, these are like an, uh, evolving um, in a parallel-like way that's complementary historically. But now you're introducing services on these block explorers. Chats is great. I think like some type of email client where you're plugging in your, potentially just your address as your sign-in. So it's still privacy-preserving but you can still build the communication layer behind all the information that's generated from all your transactions. And now you have this informational dashboard that's kind of like the next generation of, of suites of tools on the internet. So just plugging that in because this is a thesis that I've had um, for, for a while. That do, do you guys like the analogies to Web1? Like it, like the we where are we all in the nineties? Okay, yeah. So we use it all the time, and it, we just uh, Jason and I just did one. Uh, I mean, but we use it all the time. I use it almost ex uh, with with almost every pitch or every educational video or every onboarding system of a close friend or even some some interest party, because people don't really understand what crypto is, let alone what Bitcoin is. People say, "I I know what Bitcoin is, but I don't know what blockchain is." Right, like. But to connect with users that have minimal um, background for context, you have to relate a story to something that they know about. So even with DeFi, we say, okay, well, do you know what a financial product is for lending at your bank? Here's how we do it. Do you know what banks do, how, how they make money? Here's how we do it. So you, the more parallels that you draw, the analogies and the stories that you use that can connect with people with something that they truly understand, it's... Yeah, we, analogies are a powerful tool to get people to kind of just get it and not think about it. I, I haven't heard somebody say before, like, we are pre the Google of the of Web3. Um, but actually, I think that may be correct. And I and I like it. 
Um, so where, like, if you had to pick a '90s year, um, what 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 year do you guys think we're at? I mean, it feels like OpenSea is kind of like Lycos, where it's got a bunch of categories of NFTs, and out of the way Lycos is like, well, we got sports on the internet, we got entertainment news, we got travel blogs. That's kind of what what OpenSea reminds me of, and yeah, in whatever you know 1993 94 like when when did we get search um that was so, good yeah so the evolution of the internet and i'll send eric i'll send you a quick blog i wrote this about three and a half years ago that this is how i actually use my investing strategy it's, it's history doesn't repeat itself it rhymes things had to have an in collective order in standardized orders for things to actually unlock so worldwide web happened in 91 nothing really happened in between 91 and 94 the netscape moment happened around 93 94 ish right that was like when we generated millions of users with an easy to use gui system right but yahoo came out in 94 but uh, making search easy unlocked commerce because the year after that alta vista was there Amazon was there, auction web. So now you have search. What do people want to do? They want to buy. They want to shop. That's when when the e-commerce came. Then a better search engine came, much better, faster, cheaper. That was Google a few years after that. Payments then became the web. Even that really unlocked um, web two capabilities for the future. WordPress, LinkedIn, the Facebook, <laughs> Flickr <laughs> came out of time. And then YouTube and on. Remember, like YouTube, Reddit, all these different things had some way, shape, or form like built on top of all this infrastructure stack over the last 10 years. So yeah, we're definitely pre-Google. We're pre, um, I think we're in the, somewhere in the middle of, of Yahoo and uh, which is 94 and like introduction of, of, of commerce, which you could relate to OpenSea. OpenSea kind of unlocked this whole NFT craze but I see them evolving much beyond NFTs, similar to how Amazon started with books. And now it's like, what can't you access on Amazon? OpenSea is the Amazon of crypto. Interesting. Adam, you you, uh, you agree with that? I wholeheartedly agree with Buzz. He is a student of history. Um, I am much more left-brained. So <laughs> I, I defer to Buzz on this, on this question. <laughs> Jason looks contemplative. I well, I the, the thing I think I I think that OpenSea will ultimately get disrupted um, long term in every direction. Like in the same way that like Craigslist is getting unbundled, NFTs are a really specific idea today that's really narrow, mm-hmm. um, which is like these collectible JPEGs. And in the future, they're going to be more tied to more specific utilities, and th- we're going to have tons of marketplaces. But like. I'm not going to go to OpenSea probably to buy, like when Kyrie Irving has an NFT, I'm going to go straight to Kyrie Irving. I'm going to buy that through his social profiles or his person. I'm just not going to get it on OpenSea. Or you're going to search for it? Is or that like if I'm going to build a video game, <laughs> I'm going to go, like I'm going to use like the, the like um, what's it called? Like Unreal Engine is going to have like a library of like open, of NFT assets, of like video game levels, of of AI for characters and skins and weapons and I'm in physics and I'm going to in music and I'm going to go to their library because it's a more tailored store for video game people. Um, 
Well, that is not to say, that is not to say, I challenge that. So I don't think OpenSea will be disrupted. I think the the current marketplace for what NFT serves or what OpenSea serves today is the V1 Amazon of just books. Books are like, that's fun. That's cool. But now let's think about NFTs and innovation, dynamic NFTs that evolve over time, ticketing, real estate, gaming, all that can actually be hosted on OpenSea. Maybe not on Ethereum until Ethereum 2.0 comes out, but I definitely see OpenSea becoming multi-chain and supporting other coins, other NFTs, interoperable NFTs, and then NFTs that um, pay, uh, uh, that serve a specific niche within a market. Do you, you think know, they're going to be the best place to buy tickets? Are they going to be the best place to buy tickets? I, I don't see why they couldn't be. Just like if you ask me the same question of, hey, can I stream movies on Amazon in 94? I would, I would say no, because because Blockbuster at the time was the, was rightly positioned to do the same thing, and they didn't, right? So so now can can OpenSea do it? Yes, I think they it's theirs to lose. They can they can also pull off a blockbuster and say, no, we don't need streaming, <laughs> and Netflix can, can can come and take their lunch money. But I think how where OpenSea is positioned today, not only do they have first mover advantage and billions in 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 in, in revenue, but I think if they continue innovating and expand their capabilities to support, um, like I saw a a a. a and uh, a proof of concept for these dynamic NFTs where you like, you like get a, a, a digital pet, like think of Tamagotchi, right? You feed the pet, you do the, and then like, as it grows over time, it, you could see it growing, changing colors with the seasons and all these different things. Now you shop like that to like gaming and streaming and music and tickets. I don't see why OpenSea couldn't have specific modules that serve a particular market no different than what amazon does today with gaming music products hardware products and everything in between so my skepticism of that is that they're gonna have to pull out lots of miracles to have the right interface or whatever the good, good user experience for each of those uh, yeah. maybe they'll become some back-end api and what they do is they index everything <laughs> but they're not going to have the best music player or the best m movie player. They've already pulled off a miracle and they're walking on water. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> they, they have, they, if they've peaked, this might be one of them. Um, they have raised a shitload of money. It's, speaking of NFTs, or, um, something I want to ask about the, the sort of paradigm of the fund is, are you guys DeFi very specific focus? Can you get into nfts what about is it only like revenue producing nfts like as you mentioned it's a super broad thing where where did like nfts and metaverse sort of fit into the funds vision we've carved out a category for it like we want exposure to the big themes that are that we think are high growth over the next three to five years and like we think that those themes are alt layer ones so like luna phantom solana avalanche polygon like all the demand is going to go to these things to build more apps interoperability and like we've cho we've also chosen DeFi. like there's we've picked sort of a DeFi thing to bet on on each platform like for avalanche it's trader joe for cosmos it's osmosis um i think we have an astroport position for terra um and then um and so on and so and like spooky and um for spooky swap for uh for phantom but and then we're also, um, we are looking at metaverse and like there's going to be specific allocations in there that are like still TBD because uh, 
we still don't feel like there actually is the best. We're not really that satisfied with all the ways you can get exposure to the metaverse. And I think we're waiting for a good asset. We've also discussed like we could buy some floor punks and some like floor autoglyphs, but we're actually not, we're kind of hesitant to do that, even though those are pretty liquid. Um, so, yeah. yeah, Adam, I love your, um, your blog post or newsletter, uh, the 2022 predictions. And I, I, one of them that jumped out to, I pulled a couple, but one of them that jumped out to me that I thought was interesting in the context of the phone was the majority of, of metaverse returns will resemble DeFi from 2021. And that got me thinking like, you know, what is, how does that fit into the funds? Where do you see those emerging? Yeah. Uh, I know from experience, I, I bought uh merit circle at like eight bucks and I think it's somewhere around three right now. And I locked my liquidity for a year. So there's really nothing I can do about that. Uh, talk about, you know, worst move of 2021. There you go. Um, I, I think there's going to be very few winners uh, in the metaverse, at least in the next six to 12 months. Um, it, it's, I, I heard people say the metaverse uh, is going to have the ICO moment where they can raise a ton of capital when markets are frothy. But when the rubber meets the road and it's time to put that capital to work, they have to pay their people. Uh, so the first thing they're going to do is sell the you know ETH or whatever assets that they raised in the treasury. Something that's changed, though, since the 2017 ICO bubble was um, they're no longer just raising ETH. like They can raise stable coins. Um, so that's, you know, that's one way to kind of get around that, uh, that liqui liquidation. So, yeah, it's it's a challenge picking the um, the right metaverse or games. I mean, metaverse is huge. You could you could say there's gaming, there's NFTs, uh, there's like social networking, um, lots of themes underneath this metaverse umbrella, and um, it is totally an arms race right now with very few kind of obvious winners. Like you have your Axie Infinity. They were the clear 2021, you know, gaming winner. Um, there's some beautiful UX stuff coming out of like uh, Star Atlas. It's a Solana game um, where the NFTs themselves are the the spaceships you can buy and they generate yield. It's a very cool concept. But that roadmap is like three years long until the game. The game will be ready till 25. So, you know, you, you have to take a very deep dive in, in the communities and the developer um, uh, base. And and like that's something that we really need to sharpen our pencils on um, before we make significant investments. It feels like it's investing in a hits business. Like it's uh, like in the metaverse is almost like investing in IP and everything else is like investing in companies that like, um, and it, it's uh, th there's also just a lot of investing in stuff that's pre-product. Like there's a lot of interesting roadmaps, but like hits business. Like, are they going to get users? Do users want to go to that? And then like, even just a question to your audience, like what's the one token you can buy that is the metaverse token? And I know there's a metaverse index out there, but like, is it a guild like YGG? Is it a game? Is it a specific NFT? Is like, what's the piece? Of, is there a piece of infrastructure? Like, like are we for something that like, that every metaverse thing is going to like use? I think we just generally also believe like the metaverse is going to get adopted. Um, but it's like, there's an Anything that's sort of like raising money on and then consumers will come here. Well, we want to wait for consumers to go there and then we want to buy the token. Um, and, and you want the critical mass of users to show up at Web3, right? There's only 100,000 wallets or whatever right now. Like that you can't you can't build huge numbers on that user base yet. Sorry, go ahead, Buzz. Yeah. 
Well, one of the things I also look for is, I mean, this is kind of like building it, you're right. Gaming is a hits business. It's the metaverse and gaming kind of go together here. Um, but there are also other hybrid solutions. So I take a look at what gaming studios with hit games and how they can actually plug into Web3. Um, one of the, there is a project coming out um, within the Cosmos ecosystem. So we'll, we'll give a plug, something called Craft Economy. Think Minecraft. It is Minecraft. <clears throat> And imagine a DeFi layer built on top of that. So you have a critical mass game with 10 million daily active users, one of the most popular games in the world, um, web-based, and you have, you're implementing DeFi into an interoperable ecosystem with a pre-existing community of users with this installed wallets. You know, can this become a hybrid approach where you're taking not something brand new, but something kind of in the middle with traditional uh daily active users and a massive cosmos ecosystem that just you know flip uh, a few other ecosystems like solana and you have an installed user base that understands how to access tokens how to use tokens and a cult-like you know gaming community and you mix the two like what can actually happen we don't know yet because it hasn't launched but we're quite bullish on the experiment because the narrative behind it sounds almost too good to be true now, can that generate other things and like provide a pathway um, for other entrepreneurs in the gaming space to think about how they can execute their go-to-market? That's a whole different level or a different conversation. But you know, you're right; it is a hits-only business, and even the games today don't really like they're hits because they generate the transactions and the yield. But like the game, frankly, suck. <laughs> uh, what about? Uh... Adam, let's do one more of your, your predictions here um, for the ETH, the ETH expert. Um, the Ethereum merge will be delayed by at least two months, but be successful just like every other previous hard fork. Um, what, what, what's going to happen like around and after the merge? I know that's a little bit of a trillion dollar question, um, but what's your perspective on it? I mean, I have no reason to doubt the developer's capability of continuing on the roadmap that they've been successfully building for the last six years. Uh, Vitalik recently in an interview said that they're looking at July 2022 for the merge to happen. So it's already, you know, Q2 is what they said originally. It's now Q3. So I think I can check the box on, <laughs> on that <laughs> prediction. Um, and obviously everybody's wondering, like, is that going to reduce ETH gas fees? No, it's not. It's going to create a proof of stake blockchain, which is going to have all sorts of other benefits. Um, you know, for obviously ESG is a huge, huge like blockchains under the microscope because it's extremely energy intensive. So let's uh, let's let's make Ethereum a little bit more efficient in terms of energy usage. That's great. Um, in terms of cheaper transactions and scaling, um, I don't know if you've used Arbitrum or Optimism or Metis yet. Those are all um, optimistic rollups, and transactions are under $10. Some of them are now, you know, under $2. I think Arbitrum just rolled out a, a really nice uh, upgrade. And there's some very, very high quality projects that are developing on those, those rollups directly, not just moving their code onto the rollups from Ethereum. So I expect those to be heavily trafficked. I see a lot of TVL growth on those rollups. Um, and, and I think, you know, the, the holy grail of like ZK rollups, ZK syncs, is going to get a lot of attention this year. So there's there's these 
scaling solutions that are happening today that uh, that can alleviate a lot of the pain that Ethereum users feel in terms of, of, of gas fees. Um, what's going to happen in the future after ETH, you know, once the merge is complete, we have a proof of stake blockchain. That's when the developers are going to go back to really focusing on ZK proofs, zero knowledge proofs and sharding to really build out the rest of the roadmap. And like I said, I have no doubt that they will accomplish those, the goals and the vision. Um, you know, everybody should follow Danny Ryan on Twitter. He's like the project manager extraordinaire for the ETH dev team. Super, super smart guy. Very easy to understand. Um, and that's, that's a way to kind of keep up with the ecosystem. Um, I'm, I'm an OG when it comes to Ethereum and I, I for sure have, have, uh, taken some profits or moved some of my allocations to other chains, mostly because Jason and Boz convinced me, but, um, it's, it's, it's certainly like where I'm going to be holding the majority of my assets because of its decentralization and the security of the network. Um, you really have, there's, there's really nothing that can, that comes close. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see the L2s kind of get plugged into the on-ramps directly and see more get built out on this. I feel like that's that's an exciting thing. I know J- Jason, um, Mr. Like maximum uh, <laughs> maximum exposure is like a z- in a zero ETH position in the way that he was in a zero Bitcoin position a year ago now because um, he just, you, no one YOLOs harder than Jason, which is what I love about you. Well, it's like I want ETH so bad that I'm willing to trade all of it for something that will outperform it so that I can then <laughs> one day return and have more ETH. And oh my God, it feels so, you know, in our group chat, it's like sacrilegious. People will be like, I'm, I can't believe it, but I'm swapping some ETH for something else. And people, they report the news like as if like, oh my God, guys, stop me if I'm, doing it, if I'm crazy. <laughs> so um, yeah, I did that. No with judgment, Jason. And Bob's did something similar where he swapped all of his, both of us have now swapped all of our Atom tokens for Osmosis, even though we fucking love, you know, Atom is like, is like the holy grail of the Cosmos ecosystem. Yet we just, we, we have like in, in, in the game of making as much goddamn money as possible, as soon as possible, <laughs> Osmosis is a good car to drive you to getting even more Atom. So every, every well, time also, I think you're also, crazy, you just end up richer. So I, I, don't, I don't know what to do with that. Well, the minus also, touch, not, man. Not, by the way, just for not financial advice. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, with 94% yield or 96 or whatever it is, and uh, the Ethereum bridge, got an ETH bridge coming this quarter. People are bringing Bitcoin. You have Evmos, you know, cross-chain compatibility and interoperable smart contracts. And it's like, you know, it's it's so... It is overwhelming with what's happening in terms of the development within the cosmos ecosystem, but osmosis is it's also it's next level. It's, it's, I also find it quite easy to use um, as a like certified non genius. Like all the tools so, that I use on easy, cheap, like, fast. We're super yeah. excited about the next um, NFT marketplace that appears on Cosmos because. Cosmos NFTs will probably have new capabilities and like that could be a potential moat for that. And so everyone should keep their eyes out for the next, for, for whatever the open sea of Cosmos is going to be. Do we know what that's going to be yet? Or Stargaze, I guess is the only NFT chain. Stargaze and Omniflex are the leading candidate, but I think Stargaze, Stargaze is essentially positioning itself as becoming the open sea of Cosmos. So it remains to be seen, and I think they're launching their product sometime late February. So 
super excited about what's, that. What's 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 interesting about this whole Cosmos Renaissance is I don't know how many research institutional research papers I read last year that showed the, the amount of VC capital that went into the Polkadot ecosystem. And I kept asking questions to our group, like, why, why, what the, what the fuck is going on in Polkadot? I almost you feel like Kusama it was, it was because like, Polkadot did a good job of getting everyone to fun, in, to invest in their round. That like, that was my only conclusion. It was like, oh, here's a well-run sales process. Yeah. It's Gavin Wood, an OG Ethereum developer who said, I can do this better than Vitalik and co. And that narrative must have stuck. I mean, I've bridged some funds to Kasama and Polkadot. And, and I honestly, it's, it's nothing special. Perhaps the shared security of like the Polkadot chain and all the parachains is, is cool. Um, but I really feel like the Cosmos ecosystem with its soon to have, you know, shared security model and the IBC where you have interconnected inter applications and then composable smart contracts, people have no idea how much how powerful that's going to be um you know there really isn't even a very liquid money market in the cosmos ecosystem yet like kava just only recently Im implemented ibc functionality where you can you know leverage assets and then borrow and then use that liquidity elsewhere so the uh the luna cosmos ecosystem connection bringing stablecoin liquidity the ETH bridge which is soon to be launched or it has launched but soon to be a functional it's definitely the year of Cosmos. Um, another one of my 2022 predictions. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I will give you the, my, my small, uh, small, smooth brain, like polka dot opinion. Um, so I have, I have a very small position in it. It literally is my whole thesis is basically just like slow and steady and they have a developer centric approach, like because of testnet. And so like, I, I have no qualms or no belief that like, it's going to have a crazy breakout year. But I think like over the long, long, long run, if developers like really prefer that, it, there's a chance that it outcompetes over a really long time horizon. So I, I have like a hedge in there, but I'm also like buy and hold forever because I can never bear to sell anything like that. That is how my brain is broken. Um, but yeah, it, I will say like it is almost unusable. Like the wallets are terrible, the UI is terrible. Like everything's confusing because it's for developers. So like I, I have some bags, but I have a terrible time using it um, compared to Osmosis, which is actually like fun and I look forward to interacting with and stuff. So Polkadot strikes me. Yeah, it's well, it's always you know one big milestone away, one big launch of a thing that's going to make it all happen. And like I'm going to let that happen. I think I think Polkadot is real. Uh, Cardano was not. And so I'm going to let Polkadot become real um, at its own pace. Okay, so uh, one of my favorite things about um, one of, a question that I know is a Jason question that I want to ask to all of you guys is like, which is always also my favorite thing. It's just like, let's get fucking crazy and like look out 10 years and how how big could this go if everything goes right? And what is the everything that needs to go right? What is the this? Is it crypto? Is it our fund? Or it's your fund. It's your fund. Um, I, I remember when I was like talking to Squid Dow. This was the question that you had for me. Um, and like I think that's I think it is very fair to turn that same question to you. Um, and and ten years is a long time. 
if there is a Cambrian explosion of apps right now, uh, we are going to get a lot of credit for allocating a lot of money and helping a lot of people get in right now. And that credit will compound over time. And where I see us in five years is we have a staking service that has several billion in proof of stake tokens on each uh, uh, across them. Um, and we might even be involved in governance uh, in all these platforms. We will have, you know, with Kingsley, we'll have several billion under management. We'll probably also be have developed a reputation of just doing this properly. Um, and we'll have established other sub-advisor arrangements with other types of treasuries. There should be companies or maybe even large DAOs uh, that uh, we should be operating their treasuries and putting them to work. Um, a lot of, I think an emerging theme over the next five years is what are we doing with our treasury? And there's gonna be a mix of options of put it to work in DeFi yourself or work with professionals uh, that have a track record. And we're gonna be in that mix because uh, we're early. Um, and gosh, uh, you know, I also think that we're going to have probably a stock ticker where we're going to securitize the yield on our staking service. And so we'll be getting access to other types of entities that wouldn't be directly writing a check normally, but they come in through public markets. Um, and we'll start to provide exposure to our portfolio through that. Just, just a touch on that. I don't want to take your, 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 your position here. There is a, a fund already doing that where they're securitizing the yields based on their staking service, their institutional grade staking service, and taking those securities and actually providing access all legally, all by the book. It took them three years of legal work and millions of dollars. But um, it's, uh, I believe it's, um, forget the name, but I'll get back to you, uh, Bridgetower. They're, they're one of the most innovative funds out there. It's uh, led by their team. So and it's one of the few funds I, really look up to in terms of bleeding edge innovation around financials and, and what the future entails. Like what they're doing today is what can be the norm in 10 years. So Jason, or uh, yeah, Jason, you're, you sound pretty convinced that this, that we're going to make it. Um, Eric, I, no one's, no one's ever asked me this question, but because I've been so confident in the industry and fortunately you haven't had any sort of regulatory black swans yet um everyone thinks about it so let's not talk about it <laughs> um i i'm very confident in the four moons partners abilities to execute and be there and our commitment is not a, not questioned same thing goes for the kingsley team um what what i fear because i've been here before is burnout um it is so easy to get obsessed and just immersed in this culture and this industry um, where you end up like, just like loathing, getting, you know, doing something. But I, I'm so passionate and I love it so much. I'm just, I think a healthy mix of like work and play and, and taking care of ourselves is something we, we neglect. Um, I started working out again for the first time since like the beginning of COVID, like last week. And I'm, I was a like total gym rat. So I, I think it's something that I, I overlooked. Um, and it's, it's, <laughs> this is advice probably for everybody who's listening and everyone who's in crypto to take care of yourself mentally, physically. Um, it, it's such a grind. This is, this industry is such a freight train. You got to keep up. 
So yeah, that's that's the way I think we're going to minimize risk at our fund. His answer to the question of how good, where will we be in ten years? Is I hope we, I don't, I hope I don't die. Uh, like <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want to say it outright. If yeah, if, if one of us dies, yeah, we got an issue. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, minimizing risk, uh, addressing the downside first. That's what you want to see. <laughs> so. So where, where, where I see us with this fund, I think similar to what we did with, with our initial fund, which is proving market thesis around DeFi, generating um, success for our LPs and, and our, us in parallel. I think um, this new format where, as far as I can tell, um, and maybe your audience can tell me if, if I'm right or wrong, but as far as I can tell, we're... I think the first sub-advisors that is managing or co-managing uh, a DeFi fund in the space. And I think this, this position for us, making Kingsley's fund successful, uh, generating success across the board, will allow us to consider ourselves to replicate the same exact success around consulting and advising of other funds, whether you're a digital asset fund um, or a traditional uh, institutional grade fund and allow us to actually scale our knowledge um, and strategies to hire out other or bring on other people, other core team members to essentially become general managers managing those relationships and those strategies, but across a variety of, of relationships across the market. I don't think it's a one, you know, one fund take all. Uh, I do think the DeFi fund that under Kingsley's leadership will grow to be, you know, in the billions. I, I, I firmly believe that. Um, but I also think there's quite a bit of um, need and demand for other funds to tap into our knowledge, our know-how, uh, and, you know, figure out a way to introduce DeFi products that cater to uh, their investors uh, and their book of business. So I definitely see this as a way to essentially creating a brand new market around uh, DeFi fund managers or, or consultants or sub-advisors uh, for an emerging market. That's where I see it evolving in the next five to 10 years. Which, I mean, when we think about five to 10, like 10 years feels like a long time from here. But, you know, if we use the, the Web1 analogy, like that would only get us to 2005, which is really like, like the value hadn't even really begun to accrue. Like Google was bigger than it started for sure. But like all the real returns happened between like 2005 and 2020, frankly, like it's it, it, true. Yeah, totally. It's crypto time. Although like the wall, the, the like adoption rates have been like, have you seen the graphs where they overlay like pixel for pixel? I can't believe like, I think that they will diverge. Like I kind of expect crypto there to break out. They're already diverging. It's actually they, okay. growing three three times as as fast as the internet did Whoa. at its peak uh, in terms of crypto overall. So again, it's like this is the early two thousands right now, potentially for adoption. But in terms of like technical innovation, we're in like the ninety four. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, it, is there what I was trying to think about it, Boz? You might know this. Is there like a historical? analogy for a fund that was like internet focused starting in like 1993 or five or something and spent 20 years or like constellation software is the closest thing i can think of 
um, Sequoia, maybe you could say like, yeah, those uh, early VCs that were blazers, Drake you know, Richard blazers of the internet, Kleiner Perkins. Yeah. Kleiner Perkins. I mean, you know, for decades, uh, they, uh, and their track record speaks for itself. I would also say, uh, Andreessen Horowitz, like there's no better leader in the space than Mark Andreessen and his vision behind where this is all going. Well, we've also talked about um, at some point our fund would, uh, at a certain point, we would capture enough fees from it over the long term that it could fund, we could then seed another new fund uh, from Four Moons that could become like a VC fund. And then we could go downstream. Yeah. And then so we could have this, this this entity that's basically downstream warming up companies, putting them on our radar for then all of our other sub-advisor relationships we have. Yeah, but you know, I, I think back to, to your part, Eric. The, the success. I mean, yeah, the the big name funds uh, would would be the uh, you know the Kleiner Perkins of the world, the Sequoias, the the Andreessen Horowitz of the world, um, and maybe I'm sure I'm forgetting others <laughs> in Silicon Valley. But you know, those those seeded the internet. Those VCs essentially seeded the innovation behind the internet as early as the 70s and 80s, right? So it makes sense to just. Um, I would have to do some more and dig it into more like about uh, like who were the, the most successful or top five VC funds based on the bets that they've taken. But you'd have to dig through the archives. <laughs> yes. <laughs> who, who but not Apple? Like, no, I hope this is I hope this is planting the flag of, of you know, the Sequoia of 2060 um, and that that's how we how we <laughs> look back at this. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious, like um, I, I've wrote this note a couple of times as we've been talking, like it, it is interesting for for a very like DeFi movement. Like you guys are all in DAOs, you know all of this shit. Like why so tradfi? Like you're starting a fund, you're talking with RIAs. Like you could, uh, you know, I know with your discords and the networks and followings and newsletter subscribers that you guys have, you could just as easily go the, um, you know, the the like DAO route. Oh, start your own treasury like be a nons and allocate crypto just like like squid dow does or something like that is that something you gave thought to like why why are you working hard to bridge this world there is such a huge opportunity that you just it we would be crazy to say no to it so like we were doing a friends and family DeFi fund figuring out what our next step was and we had an idea but then you have the opportunity to take your existing thing that works and someone says here is a 40 trillion dollar market that literally does not have a product being sold to it yet. And we already know that they want what you have. Like we, we have to go pursue that. Um, uh, this is an opportunity to get big very quickly. Um, yeah. And it doesn't limit us from doing other stuff. That's, that's how we came up with this structure. We have total flexibility to go spin up other entities through four moons. Yeah. I, I think, I, I mean, I have strong feelings about DAOs. This is just purely opinion based. Maybe, maybe unpopular. I, it remains to be seen around if they are successful in the long term, because turnout for governance on DAO, everybody wants a DAO, but nobody wants to govern. I think it's like on average less than 1%. So it remains, and, and, and yeah, and maybe it's early, I don't know yet, but it remains for them to actually achieve product market fit generally innovate uh, i've seen tremendous amount of people create marketing DAOs and fail on execution so it's like everybody wants to DAO, but who's leading it and leadership by committee even that scale is doomed for failure i think that's not to say that it won't happen um so i'm, I'm generally against DAOs for where we are in the market um 
in terms of being anon, I'm also fundamentally about being anon because the market that we're in is relationship driven and you cannot build a relationship um, if you are anon um, in this space, especially in the traditional markets. And if we're going to attract family offices, serious capitals, so the equity market globally is $100 trillion. We're at the $200 billion mark. How do you foster those relationships to attract you know, boring money or traditional trad fine money. Well, you do it by doing it by the book, having a face, shaking hands, uh, those going relationships, to yeah. going to meetings, going to conferences, um, having speaking engagements. Uh, that's, you know, those, those things, even in a remote first culture now, especially with what's going on, relationships matter. And, you know, hiding behind an anon is, uh, as for this particular market is isn't something that would um that could yield uh to the vision that we're we're all pursuing yeah i mean you guys hit it with the faucet it's just a lot bigger and it flows a lot faster from um the, the traditional markets i also think uh a concern for defi native funds whether they're DAOs or like an enzyme finance where you can build your own index token, people can invest in that, is regulations. Uh, we haven't really seen how KYC um, or accredited investor requirements will impact DeFi. Um, and that's one of the things Kingsley pursued ahead of time. And it was a very heavy lift. It cost them a lot of money. It, caught, it spent a lot of time on it. And we're super grateful for that. Um, it's gonna like jason said it's we're instantly gonna allow ourselves to scale um it would have taken at least six to 12 months for us to to end this current fund and do it all over again at a bigger scale and kingsley is a great conduit for us yeah it's awesome I, i'm i'm super happy for you guys i mean like i've known jason at least a long time and adam it sounds like you you share his philosophy of like give, 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 community, community, community. I, I can't say how many people have like thanked me just for introducing them to Jason because he's been so like gracious and open with time and supporting people and bringing them along and, you know, from career advice to allocation advice to troubleshooting a fucking MetaMask wallet. Like, um, he has been nothing but like giving to the community at large. And, um, I mean, that, that karma's coming back. I'm super happy to see like, uh, you guys just grow into this amazing opportunity, like well-earned, um, amazing sort of product market fit. Um, I'm psyched about it uh, on your on your behalf and hopefully everybody who who invests with you as well. well thanks, Eric. That means a lot. Thanks, it's man. been uh, fun knowing you throughout this journey and uh, going forward too. Um, and it's been, I've enjoyed meeting people in your audience who reached out uh, some of them I've invited into my community because they're so great. Um, yeah. So would love to keep meeting more people in your audience. Again, like, uh, you know, people can book time on my Twitter. I have my Twitter link. They can book office hours with me to talk crypto. I'm down to talk about anything except for whether or not your NFT collection is going to be successful. That <laughs> um uh yeah i, I don't i don't want to wrap up quite yet but i do like i know anybody who wants more can find you guys on on twitter all the time um probably too much your discords adam and jason both have um somewhat private discords adam your newsletter is amazing boz i want to see more of you on the internet i don't know where to find I, you i, I know you tweet twitter okay twitter. 
<laughs> Find me on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. <laughs> I got to get your your blog too. It sounds like. Um, so I do know. I know that the uh, fund is is unfortunately like not for everybody, right? Um, like people have to be accredited. I'm assuming there's minimums involved because you got like real RIAs and stuff. It's super straightforward. Um, yes. The fund okay. is for two types. Like you just got to meet two requirements. If 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 you are accredited, check. If you are in the U.S., our fund minimum is $100,000. And if you're non-U.S., due to just regulatory overhead, uh, we've made that $1 million. And uh, you can come in as an individual or through an entity, um, okay. depending on which category. And uh, ultimately, we would connect you with Kingsley Capital. If you reached out to us, we would just refer you to them and they would walk you through the process properly. Okay. Um, that is, that is good to know. I think, uh, and just kind of standard be bullish like, on crypto and long-term, yeah. this is like, it, yes, it's a liquid fund, but just assume that this is the money that like, when you normally buy stock and you're like, I'm long Apple, it's like, you're putting it in our crypto fund and it's like long crypto. Yep. Yeah. And I, I, there are seemingly more and more people, even like kind of the, the money managers and financial planners and stuff that I talk to who are like, yeah, no, totally. Like one to 5% in crypto makes a ton of sense. Like that might be where the next tech, I, I'm very interested to see if the next sort of tech revolution, the value accrues to tokens rather than stocks. Like that is a thing that everybody who is like an Vanguard index person like i have been my whole life should be like deathly afraid of that you just like miss this huge driving factor of the next 20 years because it happened in tokens and not equity um i don't know if that's how that's going to work like there's still plenty of public crypto companies uh, like marathon and coinbase and stuff like that but um a lot of growth in tokens and the tokenomics versus the stock equity are, is a kind of a new paradigm or tokenizing stocks i think there will be i think crypto Tokens will will be at parity at some point with the stock market, generally speaking, just of how fast the space is innovating, how fast it's grown. But I think there's also the opportunity for tokenizing stocks that can also, you know, there's, again, this hybrid, this combinatorial innovation. It's not this or that. I think that the real answer for everything is somewhere in the middle. Um, and that applies to all sectors, markets, companies, and industries. And we talk about this too in my Discord, Eric, all the time. Like we, the, we're seeing assets cash flow using new ways, like with convex. Yeah. And so, I think we're just going to learn more lessons every few months. There's going to be a new way to design a token that clearly presses the buttons of token holders and gets them to want to own it or do something with it. And I think you can just imagine three to five years from now, the the sophistication of token design is going to be really appealing, and we're going to be looking at like what was the point of a stock. What was that supposed to do? And we're going to see that it, the token achieves more goals for the company. Uh, like Boz just said, we'll probably see stocks wrapped into tokens because like the one property those stocks probably have is governance for shareholders. But like they're going to have other sort of superpowers um, once they're tokenized. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're kind of come the bundle of a stock is basically like uh, governance and dividend distribution right and, and, and basic like, cash flow and and yeah. and the same kind of theatrical governance that's not real <laughs> and for tokens you already see so like you know like the squid out interview i did like you already see governance you already see dividends but there's this other interesting mechanism of like hey i can lock it i can like commit to lock this for four years and that gives me more privileges and more yield and that's like 
I would 100% lock my, I'd lock my Berkshire Hathaway for 20 years if it meant I got like a higher share of dividend yields. And like, there's just so many interesting things that can happen. In here. And imagine, I, I think tokens are now a tool to deputize your, your stakeholders to do things yeah. like at a bare minimum, Hey, have my token, get credit for being early. Go pump your bags. You buy it, go tell people about it. You could lock yeah. it up, which made that could even do nothing, but you take it out of circulation to help even more. Maybe Berkshire Hathaway says lock it up because if you lock it up, you get half off on your tickets to Berkshire Hathaway time or whatever, right? Yeah. They could have other fun incentives, you know. Um, okay, so so for the um for the people who are not going to be investors in the fund, but are like made it through this and are like, holy shit, like I want to get smart about this, I want allocation to this, I can't, I can't go to the moon um with them. Uh this is not the only way to get involved um, and in, in invest in crypto. Um, Jason, I know in particular, I want to pull your string on your like the portfolio theory rant that you went on in Yieldopolis because I think it's an all timer um, and just like how you think about it. But like Vaz and Adam, like drop your, your <laughs> personal hot ball of money wisdom on us as well um, for people who are just either not going to, you know, don't have a vehicle, not accredited, international, whatever, um, and are out there kind of like doing this on their own. I think my thing that you're referring to, and correct, you know, tell me if I'm forgetting anything, but the high level was like, here's how I think about crypto investing. And a lot of it came from a lot of what Adam and Boz and I discuss a lot. But you have this goal portfolio, and I'm going to, and like you're going to throw out, it's going to be of assets that you're really excited about owning long term. And maybe that goal is I'm going to make up numbers, but a thousand ETH and like, a, you know, 10,000 Atom tokens and like a million dollars in stable coins. That could be the goal. And then you have to build some portfolio that's going to get you there. And what, it, what the DeFi strategy is to build a portfolio that's going to help you earn yield so that you can sell that yield to start buying your dream portfolio, or you can compound your yields back into your strategy so that you earn a little bit more yield tomorrow than you earn today. And this is kind of what you do. And like, and like things that I think about along the way are, I've always believed in having a concentrated portfolio. You only need to have three or four tokens because like there actually is enough information out there for you to take high conviction bets. It's not just rolling. It is rolling dice, but it's also not. It's like you can do your homework. Um, if you own too many tokens, you don't really get credit for being right when when they all go to the moon like you need them all to go to the moon um you want when one goes to the moon you want your life to change a little bit um and so concentrated and then yeah that's kind of how i think about things i would say there there's a common characteristic across all successful crypto investors and it's they're all resourceful um this is a do-it-yourself industry so if if you're not the type of person who wants to seek the required information uh, to be successful in this industry, it probably isn't for you. And, you know, there's plenty of Vanguard uh, stocks that you can buy, like for your mutual funds. Um, there's then maybe the next level up, which is like Bitcoin and ETH, um, not financial advice, but that's a really good way to get started in this space. Um, uh, beyond that, like there's a great essay written by Ryan Sean Adams from Bankless. It's called the Crypto Barbell portfolio um it's must read it's kind of the, the the most important uh intro piece to constructing a a solid portfolio for any new investor um it's very simple to understand straightforward it gives you the exposure to the stablecoin concept and uh stable coins are are revolutionary they're going to be in everything we do 
within the next five years. Um, so start there. And then I think naturally most people fall down the rabbit hole, rabbit hole and find their next, uh, favorite layer one or altcoin or community or NFT project. Um, it's, it's such a fun experiment and it's like a choose your own adventure, um, based on where you want to spend your time. And, and most people I've spoken to find something that speaks to them that they really fall in love with, um, and stick to with for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess, uh, it really just depends on how, yeah, to, 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 to Adam's point, like it depends on being resourceful. just depends on how committed you are into participating in this ecosystem. No different than, Hey, I want to learn the stock market or options trading, but I don't want to put in the time. I just want to think about passive investing. Right. So it, from my perspective, <clears throat> regardless of where you are on the spectrum of how involved or what your time commitments are and, and everything else, I would encourage people to start today. If you know nothing about crypto, you don't even have a crypto exchange. Um, if, if they had, no, if they knew nothing about crypto, they would have stopped listening a long do. time ago, boss. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. But there, there are. I still get I, my my inboxes and, and messages, Instagram, whatever, is flooded with where where how can I start? Again, we're we're super super early. So I guess my answer will be a three part answer for the for the brand new person get a crypto exchange at least start yielding on stable coin, right? I know Gemini offers eight percent. Um, you know, it doesn't sound like a lot, like from our perspective, but something is better than nothing. And at least you can earn interest. It's a lot more than a savings account. It's, it's tremendous. I mean, it's exponentially more than a savings account. Infinitely more. Infinitely more inflation. (laughs) It's barely higher, but you'd be making money. But the, the point is at least deploy capital and think about capital efficiency, make money while you learn. Right. From there, I know we started with a, uh, uh, a company um, out of Korea. It's called Haru Bank. And Jason and I were earning 15% on our, on our ETH compounded daily. Right. Um, and that was something, this is well before like compound came out, well before DeFi came out. But the thing is, we wanted to deploy money or value of, of assets to earn while we're learning. So earn while you learn. Um, that would be something. The second is, yeah, begin subscribing to a specific podcast, follow, uh, join the Discord of, of Adam and, and Jason, and then tap into the community to understand where to start. And there's a lot of people. I know I sent my wife there to learn about, um, you know, wh- where do I deploy capital? And what's the easiest way to deploy capital? How do I install a MetaMask? And there's so much content out there that guide you through this process. And then from there, take to the next phase of how do you get a stable coin from an exchange into a Web3 uh, interface? Um, where do you where do you stake? How do you stake? How often do you, you should be learning about transaction fees? And just, again, no different than learning how to ride a bike. These skill sets will compound over time. And so will your, your returns. Awesome. That's an amazing, that's an amazing, uh, sort of summary. Um, and I, Jason's first conversation, Jason and I's first conversation is an amazing kind of like one and two Oh one of, of all that stuff. Um, to, to go actually get involved. If you, if you still haven't go listen to it again and let it compel you. Um, <laughs> that's, <laughs> cause yeah. it will. I, 
Yeah, Jason and I share fair, fairly similar investment philosophies, which is like it's it's very Bill Ackman like. It's very consolidated, not really diversified, really aped in just optimizing for um, the narratives around the potential osmosis, Luna, and 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 if, what's your third one, Jason? I don't know. And convex my net worth in three tokens right now. Yeah. So amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's considerable. I would I would say uh, you know me as well. Um, but there, just keep in mind that generate the thesis, follow the thesis, and and uh, follow those projects. And uh, but also be a student of history because these things tend to repeat themselves with these investment cycles. They do. Yeah. I, I went, went back and read uh, the technological revolutions and financial capital, the, the Carlotta Perez book. And I was like, you know, you could, you could chart all these things on it. It's, it's amazing. how. and then you lose perspective and it feels like, Oh God, everything's new and overwhelming and scary and everything's moving so fast. And then like when you can zoom out and like plot it all. And then it, the, the sense of relief I feel when I remind myself or like get reminded, like how inevitable this is, is kind of like, you just can't be over like I feel like I can't possibly just open my sail enough to the wind of, of crypto oh, that is coming. Totally. I think it, like I don't know how many of us have ever been around a conversation where it's like, oh, I wish I had the opportunity to get in Google and, and Amazon and all these things. And I'm sitting there like you have innovation around you and it's staring you at the face. All you have to do is reach out. It just looks a little weird because uh, it's fucking innovation. <laughs> it's permissionless. It's decentralized. It's already scaled. You know, it's uh, these these projects and now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, I mean, I, I can't mean, believe I'll, I don't want to invest in Spooky Swap. Yeah. <laughs> well, 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 what? How? Yeah, well, how confusing was Thanksgiving last year? Like, past the yams, like, what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> right? It's uh, just, you can't even fathom, like, how they're confusing. When there's, like, $100 million net worth individuals with cat profile pictures on Twitter, it's, it, it is a little bit weird to, to jump in with both feet. But everyone's very nice. They want to help. Uh, it's a little scary. anime avatars than I have from anyone else. Yeah, nobody's nobody's taking themselves too seriously, but everybody really is. Um, I, I think Adam, everybody that I have met in crypto, really, uh, with few maxis aside, like shares your like the let's grow the pie, let's teach everybody. We're all here to build. We're all here to invest in each other, um, and, and really, like all of the incentives of the whole community are aligned in ways that most people never have aligned instead of even in Silicon Valley and startups, like people have this kind of veneer, everybody is helpful and they do want to help each other, but there are very intense rivalries and competition. And I feel like we're not even close to that yet in crypto. Like everybody just wants to like win and help win and bring everybody along and build new cool shit and teach new people how to use it. Um, and almost every discord and Twitter conversation that I've seen is just helpful and constructive and, and don't be afraid to ask questions and people will, people will help. We've, we've had people in funds managing DeFi reach out to us and, you know, we do share notes uh, because our philosophy to, to Adam's point is like a rising tide raises all boats. We want more, in, we want more people to grow the pie. We want more smart people in finance and tech to innovate these products and services. Um, it only helps us collectively, uh, be more successful.
together. Absolutely. Um, I love that. I love you guys. Uh, will you each, will you each re- le- uh, drop your like Twitter handle and or blog and or like wherever you want people to come find you and learn more about you or the fund or your writing or your projects or whatever? Yeah, absolutely. I'm at, I'm at Boz, B-O-Z underscore uh, my last name, M as in Mary, E-N-Z-A-L-J-I. Don't worry. We'll Find put, me on Twitter. We'll put that on the show notes. We'll put all this stuff in the show notes. Oh, um, cool. sorry. And, and like link everybody. No, I'm, I'm glad you spelled it. Like that will increase the odds that I spell it right. Um, and I do want you to say it exactly like that. You're perfect, Boz. Don't change a thing. Adam, you're next. Yeah. So I'm on Twitter. I'm at ace underscore da da underscore book ace the book. Uh, don't ask me where that came from. And you are a a the uh, smoking doge avatar uh yeah i'm the it's called the doge punk rocket scientist it's my favorite nft ever it is the okay plugging i, I haven't done a plug yet uh, uh doge punks is like my favorite nft project they're they're boutique little doges that um are popular memes so the meme that i have is the elon musk on the joe rogan podcast where he's puffing a blunt and i think that's like the most epic episode um I I love the, the Doge Punk. Check out their NFT project. I'm actually having coffee with the creator of the Doge Punks project on Friday. So I'm excited about that. Um, and then if you want to find my blog, you can go to etherpeed.finance and sign up there. The great newsletter and, recommended. And you should. Yeah, it's an amazing blog. And uh, I'm I'm just at Jason Hitchcock. The, just one word. So... And and uh, both of you talk all the time on Twitter. You share very openly positions. You answer questions. Like uh, all, I think all of you guys are are like active and helpful on Twitter. Um, highly recommend it. I learn a ton there. It's where you can find people sharing great stuff. Um, there's just so many good things there. Boz, you can come back next time, and we'll just talk about space the whole time, and we, we don't even have to mess with this crypto stuff. And we want oh, to get into some space shit too. But I don't I don't oh, want to complicate man. this one too much. Oh man, that that you're opening up a Pandora's box of you know you, you, it looks like if you think I'm passionate about crypto <laughs> or passionate about DeFi, just wait. <laughs> That's why I wait till the end so I can hang up on you, just in case you just start like we'll we'll do that we'll do that another time. I got another buddy uh, Max who's really into space, and I feel like that'd be a really fun episode and um, something to explore. Uh, we'll thank figure you. out maybe maybe we could tweet Elon and join. Let's do it. I, <laughs> did you see Lex Friedman say like he's he's like manifesting? He's like see, I will interview Elon Musk in space. Like, Hell yeah, I want that. Do you see how easy it was to transition from DeFi to space? <laughs> <laughs> the interplanetary <laughs> file system is already thinking ahead. Like uh, we're all we're all ready for it. It's gonna it's gonna be beautiful. All right. Thank you guys so much for, for doing this. Um, I'm, I'm psyched for you. I, I've said it a thousand times. I'll say it again. Um, thank you. I'm excited for you. Can't wait to see where we get um, in 10 years when you're all gone to the moon. All four moons. All right. Appreciate it. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thank Eric. you so much, Aaron. Man. I appreciate you hanging out with us today. Thank you for listening. I encourage you to go follow these dudes on Twitter, check out the show notes, and please leave a review. Know that I read every single one and appreciate every single one. If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast and newsletter uh, and reaching an audience of thousands of beautiful geniuses just like you, please DM or email me. If you love this episode, you will also love my first conversation with Jason Hitchcock if you haven't heard it already. The interview I did last week 
with Shane Mack about uh, the crypto native messaging and how where the future can go there. And the pseudonymous interview I did with a few of the members of SquidDAO, which is like a decentralized crypto native hedge fund. It's fascinating. Um, my thought that I will leave you with today, when you see innovations early, they're always a little scary, a little crufty and weird, like dial up internet or car phones. Um, but we can cultivate the skill of optimism and we can learn to look at the long arc of technologies to see what things could be and position ourselves for that. I really appreciate you hanging out with us today. This is all about laughing and learning, building leverage and compounding our faces off. What our brains aren't evolved to comprehend is how much leverage is possible in modern society. There's a revolution going on, man. Uh, go pay attention to it. Get a part of it. Get exposed to it. You're going to make money along the way. You're going to have fun. The call to adventure. This is the new form of leverage. Take a few quiet moments for yourself. Breathe deep and be well. Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.